North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bags full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Ballot 1118-1120. Exclusions apply. See stores for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, everyone. It's Dr. Low Radio coming at you again. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Dr. Lauren Noel, naturopathic doctor. I'm your host. And I have a cool announcement. Next week is going to be our 100th episode. Can you believe it? And uh, we have an amazing show on, on, uh, on deck tonight. And then next week we're going to be having actually Chris Kresser on the show um, mark your calendars before I go into the topic for tonight. I want you guys to mark your calendars. Next week, it's going to be a special time. It'll be on Monday at 6 o'clock rather than Tuesday to accommodate our guest, Chris Kresser. We'll be talking about his new book, The Personal Paleo Code. So please join us next week. And uh, for tonight's show, this is a topic I was, to be honest, I was a little hesitant to do. I wasn't totally sure I wanted to have this as a topic. And after talking to um, our guest, Earlier today, and just getting more familiar with his work, I was really, really excited to do this as a topic. Um, I think this is a, something that is really relatable to everyone. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, we'll be talking about some, some pretty uh, intimate things, some sensitive things tonight, and that I think it's a lot of things that people can relate to that they don't necessarily talk about. And uh, some pretty staggering research that I've uh, been reading up on that shows that this is something most people are actually dealing with. So, and that is all about intimacy, and uh, we're really committed tonight that you walk away with some uh, some new insight about how to achieve extraordinary intimacy, and we have our guest, Michael Russer, on the show. Um, he uh, contacted me a few weeks ago, and I uh, was able to read up on, on what he's up to, and it's pretty amazing stuff, and um, I'm, I'm think, thinking you guys will get some really great value out of tonight's show. Um, before we jump into it, if you guys want to call in and ask a question at any point tonight, the phone lines are open, 818-495-6919, 818-495-6919. And uh, if you guys are not familiar with me, which I'm, you probably are by now if you've been listening to the show, but in case you are some uh, new listeners, I am a naturopathic doctor, and I work with patients locally here in San Diego, and I also work with patients from all over the country, so I do phone and Skype appointments. So if you're finding that maybe you're not feeling as well as you'd like to or Maybe you're dealing with some, you know, you can just kind of tell when there's something going on that something isn't right and you feel like you're not speaking the same language as your doctor. I'd love to be able to work with you and have you feeling better. So check out our website, shinenaturalmedicine.com, and also my website, drlaurennoel.com, and read up on what we do, and I would be happy to support you. All right, so for tonight's topic, we're talking about achieving extraordinary intimacy with Michael Russer and some really cool statistics. Actually, I don't know if they're cool, but they're just really mind-blowing, actually. Um, one of them that really caught my attention was 87% of women reported using vocalizations. So example of that would be moaning to boost their man's self-esteem and speed things up. And uh, 67% of women and 28% of men pretend to climax with a partner. Now, these might seem like, I don't know, maybe immature statistics, but I think that they are 
just a symptom of something deeper. You know, with, uh, with naturopathic medicine, we're always looking for the root cause of what's going on. And uh, I think tonight we're going to be talking about the root cause of a lot of these uh, seemingly funny uh, topics. I think that they're, they, they run deeper than, than what uh, it might seem like. So, Michael Russer, here's his, uh, his story, and then we'll bring him on the show. So beginning in September of 2011, Michael began a year-long personal transformation that included a diagnosis of prostate cancer, radical prostatectomy, uh, follow-up intensive radiation treatments, and full-blown impotence. He considers his resulting impotence to be one of the biggest blessings in his life. It's because of his impotence that he and his partner discovered an entirely new approach to experiencing levels of emotional and physical intimacy that far exceeds anything either experienced prior to when things were working, quote-unquote, directly or correctly. It is his personal mission in life to serve other couples who struggle with emotional and physical intimacy due to erectile dysfunction or, or ED, impotence, or simply because they have lost their spark, and use his communication skills to share what he has learned worldwide. Prior to this phase of his life, Michael was a highly regarded international speaker and author about technology. His media experience includes keynotes, radio and TV interviews, videos, articles for national publications, and voiceovers, and we're really happy to have him on the show. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Well, thank you. I'm very, very excited to be here tonight, and it was quite an intro. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. I'm so glad that you reached out, and uh, you know, I'm so glad that we're doing this topic. And uh, you know, talking earlier today, I was just really blown away with with your story and uh, just what your journey has been like. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to bring this to our listeners. I think it's it's something that's really important. So tell us a little bit about you know what you got, what what got you interested in doing this particular work. I mean, I know yes, you had just kind of a curveball thrown at you. Um, but give us a little bit of a background with your story and how it's all unfolded. Well, yeah, it, it started about two years ago. I, um, um, I was a very successful uh, speaker, author, and uh, yet at the same time I knew something was very wrong. Uh, my marriage, uh, uh, you know, typical baby boomer marriage, we, uh, the last 11 years of the 26-year marriage were essentially celibate, and we... We went from being soulmates to roommates, very respectful, still cared greatly for each other, but the intimacy was gone. And I knew other things were wrong, just not, just something was, was off in my life. And I, I um, since have realized what that was, and that was, the, that was the foundation and then the first step to this quite a journey that you and I talked about. And uh, so September of two years ago, I pulled the trigger. I ended a 26-year marriage. I knew I was going to end my career, uh, and I didn't know what was going to come next. I just knew that uh, from that point on, I would no longer live in a state of being shut down. And I kind of figured out that the big part of what I was feeling, what I, I was feeling sort of dead inside, was feeling the sense of being shut down and not heart open and not feeling vulnerable. So that, that was the start of it. And when I pulled the trigger, I pulled it hard and fast. I lost most of the friends that uh, were associated with the marriage. I knew that would happen. I, um, I actually hurt the relationship with my grown children, but that has since come back, and I knew that would happen. And I also knew that I would be going into a state of not knowing what was next. And uh, that was the scary part. But I was committed because uh, I just absolutely did not want to live that way anymore. Uh, 
Well, ironically, two months after that, Lauren, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Now, in my family, uh, cancer of any kind typically means you haven't got much longer to live. Uh, four out of five members of my other immediate family died and died badly with cancer. And uh, the fifth one is not doing well, and I'm number six. So when the biopsy came back and the surgeon said, well, you know, you, you're clear on one hemisphere of the prostate and the other one has a low Gleason score, which means it's a mild case, he says, you've got months to think about this. And I said, all right, I've thought about it. Take it out and take it out now. Is are you sure? I said, yeah. So at the December 29, 2011, they did the radical prostatectomy, which is a complete removal of the prostate, and which is the most radical form of treatment. And um, when they came back with the tissue studies, they found out that my intuition was correct. It was extremely aggressive. It was fully invasive in both hemispheres and about ready to metastasize. If I hadn't made that decision, I probably wouldn't be alive today. So that was the good news. The bad news was is as good a job as they did. It wasn't enough. They had to then, the PSA started going back up again, which is not a good thing. And so they did, uh, they ensued with oh, about seven weeks of five-day-a-week intensive radiation treatment. And uh, ironically, that still didn't get it all. I I'm, I'm technically still have prostate cancer, but it's under control now, hmm. at least for now. Uh, but as a result of all those treatments, and I kind of knew this going in, but it was, it's like, uh, you know, you deal with one thing at a time, right? Um, mm -hmm. I knew it's going to impact my ability to have an erection. Well, it impacted, all right. It, it, uh, it eliminated that ability. So not even the little blue pill or the little yellow pill or any kind of pills worked for me. And <clears throat> the irony, I, and I think for many men, in fact, I'm, I can say this with a great deal of uh, confidence. Most men, when they are faced with the prospect of prostate cancer, are actually more concerned about the impact on their ability to, quote-unquote, perform as a man than whether they're going to live or die. And it's sad. It's a cultural thing. But that is what causes many men to actually avoid um, uh, checking up to see whether they may have a problem there. And it's mm -hmm. really sad. And it, and it speaks to the cultural wiring that, that uh, puts so much importance on this. And I, I was certainly a product of that wiring. And so I had to go through two stages of uh, grief or loss. One was the, you know, the whole idea of I may die from prostate cancer. And, uh, but the second one was more pronounced, and that was you've got to be kidding. I, after 11 years of staying faithful to my wife, yet still being celibate, and then two months after that, I'm diagnosed with prostate cancer, so now I'm legally and morally able to have relations with another woman, and now I can't get it up to save my life. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. So I went through the four stages of disbelief, anger, not so much depression, uh, I would say more negotiation. <laughs> Let's see if this <laughs> works. Nope. That works. Nope. And then finally, and this is the point that really made a huge difference, and unfortunately it's a point where most men have trouble getting to, and it's the point of acceptance.
I -hmm. finally accepted it. And in that acceptance, now that acceptance is not the same as resignation, as you well know. It's accepting of what is, which then opens up possibilities of what is possible. And Mm -hmm. it was that acceptance that really opened the doorway to to, um, uh, all kinds of things. And uh, so about a year later, I met the love of my life. And um, after it became very clear that we were going to be more than just friends, I sat down with her and had a very candid conversation with her. And this is crucial uh, in any relationship, by the way, whether there's ED is a part of it or not, is very clear, vulnerable communication. And I remember sitting on the couch with her, and this is, uh, I'm in Santa Barbara, just north of you, and it was a, it was a fall day, the sun was streaming in, and here she is looking beautiful sitting on the couch, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying, look, uh, and I'm pointing down to my crotch, I says, this ain't happening, and it may never happen. Are you willing to explore the ways of being intimate? Now, uh, if there are men out there listening, they're thinking, oh, my God, you know, yeah. You're thinking, okay, she can look at her left wrist, whether there's a watch there or not, and say, oh, my, look at the time. You know, i got to go. See you later. Bye-bye. Uh, or is she going to say, sure, absolutely. Well, that's what my life partner did say to, to her credit. And that was the start of a journey that absolutely took us both to levels of such extraordinary emotional, physical, and even spiritual intimacy that, I mean, even to this day, I shake my head at what we experienced. Wow. I feel like I just sat on a, in a, in a roller coaster with you and just went on this crazy high and low. I mean, going through a divorce two years ago, two months after that getting prostate cancer, so dealing with the fear of losing your life, doing a new career and then and actually with the prostate cancer you know having the treatment for that comes with uh the impotence i mean geez that's that's all in two years how are your adrenal glands building up my goodness (laughs) (laughs) you're doing pretty good right now yeah Uh, fortunately i mean i'm in otherwise very good shape Uh, my partner and we we hike all the time and we eat well so it's other than that we're doing good (laughs) um but you know it's it's um yeah, it's a lot, and I, I'm still on that journey. You know, there's every day is you you know you wonder, okay, how much time do I really have? And but I will say this, um, and I and I don't mean to minimize the severity or, or the the uh, you know the potential tragedy of having any kind of cancer, but I will say this, I received two incredible gifts that I never planned on receiving. One was my cancer. And I'll tell you why, because that woke me up. That allowed me to uh, experience every day as a gift, and I do. I look at life very differently. I, I experience things very differently now. And so in a way, it was a huge gift for me. And so I, I've come at peace with the idea that, you know, it may flare up again, and, uh, and that is my, my family history. My family history is none of us lived through this. And... But then again, I look at it this way. We're all terminal. It's just a matter of, you know, right. when and how. You know, so none of us are getting out of this alive. So we might as well enjoy the ride. And uh, so that was the first gift. And the second gift, which was even oh, so huge, uh, and it continues to get better, 
um, is the gift of my uh, impotence, the fall erectile dysfunction. Because uh, if there are any men listening to this, they're they're just scratching their heads, they're 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 scrunching their eyebrows or their brows, and they're going, "What is he talking about?" And because this is a subject that most men don't even like to talk about, I, I've had men literally almost consider me as contagious. I mean, that's how. I mean, this is the biggest white elephant in the room, and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so many men associate their sense of who they are as a man with their ability to get hard and how long and so on and so forth, that it's, it's, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's very uncomfortable for them to even consider it, much less talk about it. Yet, um, for me, it turned out to be a huge blessing because, as we talked about earlier on the phone today, um, the way men and women are wired both biologically and culturally literally gets in the way of what our hearts truly yearn for, which is deep abiding connection. When I say the word intimacy, women think of one thing, men think of another. And, uh, and when I talk about intimacy, I'm talking about deep connection, whether it's on the spiritual, uh, the uh, emotional level, physical level or spiritual or all three. And, um, when men talk about intimacy, they usually think of sex. And when they think of sex, they're usually thinking intercourse. And uh, what I like to say is that intercourse is great for making babies. It is hardwired into us. It feels great most of the time. Not always for some women, uh, but for men, yeah. Uh, and uh, and it's, as I said, it's great for making babies, but it is not necessarily conducive to deep abiding intimacy. And um, because men and women are so different when it comes to uh, their sexual response profile, their emotional response profile. And so what I discovered, and totally to my surprise, I didn't set out to discover this. I just said, what's possible? And with my partner's help, I realized that once I truly accepted it, that, okay, I can't get it up, so what's possible? I was able to slow down and match her profile to the point where, and focus on her exclusively. And what came out of that was a, a level of, of uh, physical and emotional intimacy that neither one of us have ever thought was possible. And, uh, um, and what's really interesting is, is that you know, unlike the typical 15 to 20 minute uh, intercourse sex act that everybody's exhausted, and, you know, the man issues his last grunt, rolls over and starts snoring. Meanwhile, the woman's going, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even warmed up yet. Uh, this is totally different. Um, uh, we will typically make love two to four hours at a time. And, of course, I'm wow. sure your listeners are thinking, how is that possible? Well, first of all, you schedule it because we're both very busy entrepreneurs, independent, you know, we're both independent entrepreneurs and we, you know, it's not like uh, you give somebody a come hither look and we jump in the sack. No, that's not the way it works. We, we schedule this, but we spend a good two to four hours at a time. And wow. it is, and it is amazing. We have more energy, way more energy by when we're done than when we start. It's because when you really connect on that level, and you're in a giving mode, 
you actually are generating energy for each other. Um, intercourse is almost by definition, almost designed to be depletive in its energy. I mean, in, in both physically for the man, it, it is depletive. Uh, right. And energetically feels that way. And, uh, but it's when the, what men and women are so capable of is so far beyond the typical standard sex act. It's, it's beyond imagining. Mm. You have on your website the British University Research Study, and I, I said this earlier, that 87% of women reported using vocalizations like moaning to boost their man's self-esteem and speed things up. Why do you think this is? Because they're not enjoying it uh, nearly as much as he is. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, but, but why wouldn't they why? be honest, right? Why wouldn't they be honest and, and like you had in that moment with, your, with the love of your life and just communicating? Right. You know, why doesn't that happen? You know, why the pretense? That's a really good point. And it, when it comes to the communication, uh, it really requires both parties. I mean, communication yeah. by definition is a, is a two-way, you know, street. And so it requires being very vulnerable uh, on both parties. I remember that um, my partner would share with me what she liked in terms of, uh, oral sex, which is the way, obviously, if I'm placid, I can't, I, we can't have penetrative sex, so uh, we, we both enjoy oral sex. And she told me what she liked. And this is kind of interesting. Um, we talked about how men and women are wired differently. Well, even their brains when it comes to the sexual response are very different. Men tend to, because we're, the way we're wired, we tend to think that more intensity equals more pleasure. Now, for us, that can be the case. But uh, what I have found, and based on my research, is that's not usually the case from, for uh, most women. So they, um, um, it's what I call the, you know, sometimes when men, when they actually try to perform oral sex, they go into their, what I call the Captain Crunch and Munch syndrome, and that does not work well for most women. You've got to slow down. And so she actually showed me she actually showed me with the palm of her hand and her finger exactly how she wanted it. Well, I paid attention. And as a result of that, um, uh, our very first time making love, she, she climaxed three times very powerfully. And now the average, uh, the, the, typically the minimum number of climaxes she will have every time we make love is between five and seven times. And they're extraordinarily powerful. And, I know our uh, listeners are going, what, are you serious? That's pretty impressive yeah. given that, uh, you know, I think uh, we said 67% of women pretend to climax with a partner. No pretending with that. Yeah. Well, that, no, yeah. there's no pretending with that because I, I feel the muscles tense. And um, actually, <laughs> she tends to be rather vocal. And, uh, but not, that, not the kind that was referred to it. In the, uh, the statistics, but the kind that almost got me thrown out of my apartment twice. Um, <laughs> so I. <laughs> so we yeah uh, we uh, we have to actually be careful, but we have to make sure there's a pillow around. <laughs> the the thing is is that to, to go back to your question, why don't more women tell them? Because I think they're afraid that um, they're afraid that they're going to. Uh, quote-unquote, uh, demasculate or emasculate their, their partner by saying, well, you know, that doesn't really work for me. Yet, let me tell you something about men now, ladies, okay? Um, 
nothing makes a man feel more like a man than knowing he is genuinely pleasing you. Nothing. And um, see, and that, that actually works into the choice that I had to make because I, when I, you know, when I accepted the fact that I am fully impotent, I could have chosen to say I'm no longer a man. I'm going to live in shame. I'm going to hide my head. I'm going to, I'm going to withdraw. And that's what happens to most men, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Instead, I said, well, that's one way to look at myself as a man. But what if, what if I were able to, you know, still please my partner? And so I chose to look at myself as a man by how well I could please and deeply connect with and please my partner. And that is something I have a little more control over. And, uh, and so with that kind of response and with that kind of genuine uh, response that I get from her, I, I have no shame whatsoever. And I feel extremely uh, uh, masculine, if you want to put it in those terms, and uh, very, very fulfilled and satisfied. In fact, that, to know that your man, when you are able to share with your man what you really like and be totally candid with them, it's, yeah, it requires you to be vulnerable. But let me tell you, when, if they truly care for you, they're going to appreciate that. And they really want to please you. And so you know, kind of take them by the hand a little bit and share with them what it is that really, really works. That's what my partner did for me. And in so doing, I was able to bring her to levels that she has never experienced in her life before. Of course, what does that do for me? I mean, that makes me feel like a million bucks. And I think I shared with you earlier today that it took four months. You know, it's it's not impossible for a man who has no prostate and cannot get hard to have a climax. In fact, quite the opposite. It takes more practice, but once you get there, um, the climaxes can actually be more intense and longer lasting, as it is, as that, which is what it is for me. Uh, but it took us about four months to get to that point, yet not once during that time. And you've got to remember, I had not had relations with a woman for 11, well, by that time, 12 years. So you'd think I'd be climbing the walls. Here I'm able to bring her to climax minimum five, seven times each time. And for four months, I wasn't able to climax myself. And you'd be thinking, oh, my God, the poor guy. Anything but, I received so much more fulfillment and satisfaction out of of, um, giving her that level of pleasure and connection that it really didn't matter to me. And, uh, and then once I was able to relax a little bit, um, uh, and, and a little bit of practice, she was able to bring me to a very explosive climax. So the, the point is, is that um, if you are really candid and gentle, but candid and vulnerable with your man, say, look, I know you want to please me. And I'm going to share with you exactly what does that for me. Would you be willing to, you know, work with me on that? Your, your man, if he really cares for you, will listen and he will learn. And you will have an experience that uh, you didn't think was possible. 
The other thing, too, and this is, I actually teach this. I say, look, it's always ladies first. I always focus on my partner first. I can get excited in a, I mean, let's face it, men can look at an attractive woman and they're ready to go, right? Mm -hmm. Women just aren't built that way. And so um, I always say, men, if you want to have, you want to release the tigress in your woman, focus on her first and in the way that she wants and take the time. And uh, we take a lot of time. We will, uh, we'll, we'll do a lot of massage. We'll even, we'll take a shower together. I'll, I'll scrub her down with a loofah first and, and then it's my turn. And then we'll go, we'll go and I'll give her a, just, a, a, just an incredible massage uh, and maybe spend 30, 40 minutes just doing that. And not necessarily erotic. It just, just letting, just the touch, the touch is electric. And if you're present, fully present, it is amazing. And it's, what I like to say is, you know, get rid of the word performance and use the word presence uh, instead. Be fully present. And this goes for both parties. I love the uh, the realness, too. I mean, we talked earlier on the phone, and I said, let's just get raw. Let's just get real. Tell us, you know, the intimate details. So thank you for being authentic and letting us in your, your personal life. I appreciate that. And I think it, it really hits home that much more. Um, something that comes up for me is, that I'm thinking is like, wow, you're man enough to take the coaching, actually, because uh, I think that the, I think that sometimes maybe it brings up insecurities for men. They don't feel man enough, you know, if they're not quote unquote performing. But in reality, I think in, in your situation, to me, it seems like you're you're really that much more of a man to really listen to what she needs and to have that full blown intimacy. And and also another thing that comes up for me too is that uh, you know I think the the desire to perform for a man and also the desire I think for the woman to just sort of be on stage and be pleasing for her man it really comes back to our instincts as caveman and cavewoman you know I mean the man yes. caveman wants to procreate he wants to be you know the king of the jungle or whatever and then the woman she wants to be pleasing to her man and make sure that he only wants to be with her uh, so I think it's it's very it's it's inauthentic. It's uh, it's just sort of in our survival, and I I see how you and your partner especially have have uh, you know grown beyond those those uh, caveman and cavewoman instincts and, and experienced true intimacy. Does that feel like that fits for you? You nailed it on the head. It's really the, it's that uh, biological or it's literally wiring right within our DNA. Uh, and then there's the cultural wiring. I mean, every other commercial is for Viagra, Cialis, and, and the implication is, is that, hey, use this, you're going to be a, you know, the world's biggest stud and, you know, the whole thing. And, and, uh, and then, there's, of course, there's, there's just this, uh, you know, incredible pornography that's out there that gives a totally unrealistic uh, version of what re women really want and, and, and with the way men should be. And it's really not complicated at all. Men and women, I mean, we, we've, we've evolved past survival. Yes, we had to have procreation of species, and it's still very useful uh, for that purpose. But in terms of deep abiding connection, we've evolved past that. And it now means being very, very present, being very conscious of who you're with, what's, what works for them, 
and connecting for them. So this, this idea of how can I give to my partner uh, in a way that totally works for her? And then likewise, when the man has done that, that's, of course, reciprocated. What's really interesting, Lauren, is that I, and my, my partner and I talk about this all the time. We actually, okay, here's a woman that has five to seven or more mind-blowing orgasms every time we make love, yet she prefers to, have, to, to uh, do the same for me. And we both have said that if we had to give up one or the other, I would prefer giving up any orgasm I would ever have mm-hmm. so that I could still please her. And she, had, she said, yeah, she says if it came to one or the other, I would give up. Is, is mind-blowing is what you do for me. I'd give that up and just give it to you. And so it mm-hmm. totally changed the dynamic of, of what this is. And yet, I, you know, I, that's, that's something I still shake my head about is that how is that possible? Because usually mm-hmm. it's quite the other way around. It's, there's no uh, huffing and puffing with frustration that you didn't get yours, right? It's just that you're focusing oh, on the other person. God, and no. Yeah. It's yeah, really, really what would you, what, what we're, What's happening with us is that we, we uh, by giving to each other so completely and being present, that's really important, being totally present and aware of the other person, we, um, we get incredible fulfillment from that. And, uh, and, but it also opens up the doorway to receiving incredibly as well. So it's, it's, it's a very, very powerful way to connect with someone on an emotional and uh, physical level, even spiritual level. And there's times when, uh, I mean, I, I will say this, and I think we talked about this earlier today. I don't care how good the sex is, uh, it, it will go, it will diminish if you don't have a strong foundation in deep emotional connection. It starts with the heart first, and you've got to have that foundation. Uh, the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, over time, you know, you've heard the expression, well, you know, this is what men will say, yeah, if you want to have sex, you know, you know don't get married. Uh, because over time, right, things tend to wind down, which is certainly what happened in my marriage. It doesn't have to be that way. I mean, for us, it just keeps getting better. And, uh, but you, again, it needs, you know, you be conscious about it. And um, it's not just about getting a release. It is truly about giving and in a form of connection. Is what you have to share just for couples struggling with ED, uh, or can other couples benefit from this as well who haven't gone through the same journey that you have? Well, I think all couples can because I, you know, I, I, I use the word impotence as, as kind of a metaphor for what's ailing many couples out there, which is a disconnect, and uh, that's a form of non-functioning. And what happens is, is that couples, are, as they're together, they will sometimes end up hurting each other one way or another. Maybe it starts with little cuts, but little cuts add up to big hurts. And, and they end up shutting down. And in that shutdown, uh, the relationship, the connection disappears, and the relationship essentially becomes impotent. So it starts with the willingness to be vulnerable again. 
and uh, really uh, risking that hurt. You know, I, I read a book recently that, that really just summed it up so well. It's uh, by Michael Brown. It's called The Presence Process. Extremely powerful book. And the one thing he says that just sticks out amongst all the other things is this, is that life is not about feeling better. It's about getting better at feeling. And our society today literally conspires to keep us shut down. And the drug of choice that does that is called distraction. We distract ourselves with the news, with entertainment, with drugs, with, you know, food, with anything and everything. If you go to a restaurant, look at how many people are looking at their smartphones and texting and not at all connecting with whoever they're with. Um, Look at people in any kind of crowded uh, place. You'll see the same thing. And the reason is, is that being in the present moment, which is crucial to achieving the kind of intimacy I'm talking about in any relationship, whether there's ED or, or not, is that sense of being fully present, fully in the moment. And our, our society literally conspires against that. So it takes a conscious effort. And, and if I may, uh, this is going to sound really really silly, but I'd like to share what I do almost on a daily basis to remind me because old old habits die hard. It's easy easy to slip back into a space of shutdown and kind of protect yet pretend that you're open, but you're not really. Um, And that was most of my life. You know, hey, I was an international speaker and up on that platform, you would think, oh, this guy's totally connected, blah, blah, blah. No, not really. I was able to be very gregarious, but I was shut down. I was not willing to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so I needed something on a daily basis to remind me that this is really what life's about. It's about being open. It's about being heart open, being vulnerable. Because if I lose that again, I've lost everything. Right. And so I have these little glass hearts I get from China. (laughs) They're just little glass hearts, right? And so I carry them with me everywhere. And uh, sometimes I'll, I'll see a, a little child or I'll see uh, uh, somebody in the line at the, at the checkout or whatever. And, and, you know, one day I was at a parking lot and I noticed this fellow who had a you know, Ducati motorcycle. I'm in the motorcycle big time. So I walked over to him. We started talking. And I just, I just knew that, you know, there's something kind of deep about this guy. Something there was more to him than just a guy on a motorcycle. And so I just reached in my pocket. I said, look, this is for you. I said, because it's really clear to me. I looked him right in the eyes. It was really clear to me. You have a huge heart. I want you to have this. And he thanked me, and I didn't think anything of it. Uh, the very next day, I go over to the coffee shop, and sure enough, uh, here he is. But I didn't recognize him. He says, do you remember me? I says, hmm. Oh, yeah, Ducati guy, right? And I remember the motorcycle. And he says, well, you know that heart you gave me? I says, yeah. He says, well, I went walking on the beach later that day, and I met somebody, and I gave her the heart. And I think it's going to turn into something. Well, then I met them six months later, same coffee shop, and I got to meet his girlfriend. And she Mm -hmm. definitely remembers the heart. 
But that's just one of many, many examples. I never know who I'm going to give them out to. But the reason I give them out is more for me than for the person I'm giving it to. Because I can't give those out without my heart being open, without me being pretty vulnerable. And that, to me, is uh, the most important part of this entire journey. Um, and uh, it doesn't mean things don't feel wonderful all the time. That is not what an open heart is. It means you're feeling everything. And uh, I liken it to, you know, surfing waves on the ocean. And, you know, you can fight those waves and you know who's going to win. Or you can learn to surf each one and, and learn to use its energy and you're going to get a hell of a ride. Now, some rides are rougher than others, but they're waves. And if it's a rough time, it will pass. And a good one will come in its place. But that's kind of the way life is. Life is not about I love feeling that. wonderful. I'm, I really love that. Rather than just fighting that huge wave that decided to come towards you, just hopping on it and just riding it and just, just enjoying yeah. it. What you've done yeah, with your, with your you life. Yeah, you can. And, you know? and it, may not, it, may, it may scare you to death. It may not even feel good. But right. it's, it's better to use its energy than to fight it. And so that's why, for me, being heart open was the big was the line I drew in the sand. That was the start of this journey. And I, I know for a fact I never would have met my partner. We never would have had the experience that we, we, we had and continue to have if I hadn't started there. And um and I don't know where all this is going. I mean I have my book coming out. I've got all kinds of things that are in the in the hopper, but there's no guarantees about anything. And even yeah. when we think there are. You know, but I, I do know this that I will not ever allow myself to go back to the way I was and um, mm. I, that being shut down and uh, because if I, if I would just rather die than go back mm. actually and I, and I don't say that lightly and I don't say that flippantly I, I really do I would prefer to die than go back uh, because um, in a way I was dead inside and I mm. um, even you know I, I just don't ever want to be that way again so a moment of honesty, uh, you know, if I were to give you a, a pill and that pill would provide you with a, you know, functional erectile, uh, or I guess erectile func- function, <laughs> EF, yeah. not ED, um, just being fully honest, would you, would you take the pill? Uh, you know, I've been asked that before, and I actually had a, um, a journalist ask me that same question, and, and it was hard for me to answer, no pun intended. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, um, here's the thing, uh, and this is why I'm hesitating. The answer is yes, of course, but with a big if. And that's if I felt I had the ability to control the urge that comes with the having an erection. Mm-hmm. And any man listening to this knows exactly what I'm about to share. When a man gets an erection, that feeling, is so powerful, so overwhelming that it can kind of take control. And, um, and just to put this in perspective, I, after my partner and I um, were together you know, intimately and were experiencing this incredible level of, of, uh, of physical and emotional intimacy and, and actually spiritual too, I said, you know, I haven't had intercourse in 12 years. Uh, so I, I went to my, I said, would you like to see what that's like? She said, sure. So 
uh, I went to my surgeon, and he did recommend essentially the equivalent to that hypothetical pill you just suggested, and it's, but this one's an injection, a direct injection, if you get my drift. And it's not okay. as painful as it sounds, but it's not pretty either. Well, uh, that one worked. I had a three-hour blue steel heart on uh, after injecting that the first time. And uh, so my partner and I made uh, extraordinary love using, you know, the intercourse. But, uh, A, it didn't last very long. I mean, the intercourse part, because it's still depletive. And secondly, even though I was still hard, and secondly, we looked at each other, and we knew instantly without saying a word that it didn't even compare to what we had Mm -hmm. before. So since then, I haven't asked for it. So I guess the answer is, sure, yeah, I would take it if I felt that it would not interfere with the level of emotional, physical, and even spiritual intimacy that we have right now. If it interfered, if it turned out I could not control that, then I'd stop taking it. Mm. So it's, it's really a matter of you would become essentially a caveman again or caveman capabilities, but you'd have to learn to manage that because I think with that came some really undesirable things for you. Yeah, and, and you know, I and I actually um, I actually coach men and women on this, and of course, the, a lot of the men I coach are are not affected by ED. Um, in fact, some of them are affected by the opposite problem, and that is, uh, you know, premature ejaculation. And I I said, look, the only thing I can think of is that uh, if you take the principle of focus on your female partner first, is um, go back to the movie something about Mary where he's talking to Ben Stiller just before he meets Mary, you know, for the first time. And he says, man, he says, you can't go out there with a loaded gun. You got to get rid of the baby batter. And so, um, <laughs> I actually recommend to men that if they really want to experience what two hour lovemaking is like and to have their woman, um, uh, respond in the way that my partner responds, because I, I do believe that every woman is capable of that, um, that you remove that urge at first, at least the first few times, so you don't have that urge, and then just be fully present and focus on her. And that's kind of controversial, actually, that advice. And, uh, uh, but it, it does work. Mm. <laughs> So how I about think from a female uh, perspective. How how would you take that if I was counseling you and and your 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 partner? How would you respond to that? Let's you know, being totally honest. Would you want to what him specifically? To do want him to, what? to have him have him have him relieve himself, masturbate first before he he actually makes love to you. <laughs> I'm just laughing because uh, we're getting personal for me. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. It's well, this interesting. This is real radio I, here. <laughs> this is real. This is real. I, I have to say that um, initially, my my thought is, you know, goes back to the cave woman thing. It's like, you know, wanting to be pleasing, wanting him to be so worked up by me and and all of that. Mm-hmm. So my initial response would be like, no, don't, you know, don't do that. But then, like, once I'm really real with it and I kind of look at it, it's like, yeah, actually, probably, because I would like for him to be present and not be driven by, you know, those uh, instinctual urges that's keeping him from really being there with me, being present with me. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what if he was able to, without that distraction, 
without that overwhelming urge, what if he was able to focus on you for an hour or two? Yeah, and I mean, I, but, I think it sounds great. That, <laughs> I think it sounds great. But, you know, you bring up something, you bring up, and that's just why, and, and, I, and I hope you don't mind me kind of turning around like this, but, and by the way, I've never it's done okay. that. It's my, my okay. Prob- oh. My grandma probably doesn't get this far into the show anyway, so we're good. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, I've never done this with a host, so I, I uh, you're the first. But I the reason I bring that up is because I sense that you know part of you know certainly uh, half of this equation is women's perception on what men want. And I am here to tell you that you will please your man infinitely more if he knows that you are genuinely going through the roof that you are genuinely feeling like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. Uh, and, and see, even, you know, that statistic where women moan just kind of hurry things along, don't think that there isn't part somewhere deep down inside the man that knows that that's happening and that that somehow impacts him uh, because it does. And, uh, but if, you know, in, in, if, if he is able to genuinely um, match your response profile in a way that, that just uh, sends you to the stratosphere and for prolonged periods, uh, he is going to feel so fulfilled. I know how men are wired. Uh, we are also wired to please our women. It's just that we, uh, you know, the, this, this biological wiring is such that, and cultural, is such that we think that's the way to do it. And yet, you know, it, it's so funny because you have men and women, they go through this, this process, this act, and, you know, the guy's thinking, oh, yeah, that was great. And she's thinking, oh, yeah, that was great, you know, kind of thing. And um, when it could be, extraordinary it could be so yeah. deep so real you know and and it really takes this communication and you know being vulnerable both parties it takes takes the woman being vulnerable saying mm-hmm. sweetie this is what I really like this is what I'd like you to do and I know this is what you think is is great for me and yeah it can be but I'd like this to explore a whole new way, a whole new levels of what's possible. And another thing that men respond to is, let's try something new. And so (laughs) it's all in the positioning. (laughs) Now Now you you position it. You mentioned the masturbation thing as uh, one thing a Mm -hmm. a guy can do. Are are there other ways for him to stay present with her, um, to be fully present with, with his partner while you know, while being intimate. Well, yeah, I mean, the masturbation is just to, just to remove that urge, for, you know, long enough to where he can then get present. But the, the being present is, is uh, first of all, you, you set the stage, and so you make sure there are no distractions. You set aside two hours. When we, um, I just had a pilot program, a four-week program, uh, four weeks to extraordinary intimacy, and we, uh, we, by the third week, we had couples spending, making love for two hours. And, um, uh, and, 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 and then they were doing it several times a week, and they're just going, oh, my God, I didn't think this was possible. So you set the stage. You, you set the time, 
and you make sure there are no distractions whatsoever. You set the, the, the lighting, and, and, and then what, uh, what I would do is uh, have your man just kind of you know, lightly massage whatever you like. A lot of, a lot of women seem to like their, the bottom of their feet massaged, um, uh, even their palms. The, the just light touch can, be, can send somebody right through the roof um, if it's done with full, full intention and full presence. So just have them, you know, just kind of focus on just being present for the touch and kind of imagine their love, their, um, their attraction, their, their feeling for you to go right to their fingertips as they're touching you. And it will feel like electricity. And then he will get better and better at, at seeing that this is happening for you. And that will actually encourage him to be more present and uh, do it more uh, and for longer. And, and, uh, and what happens during that process, of course, is that um, he's matching, much more closely matching your sexual response profile. So by the time that part of the process is done, you're pretty ready for whatever's next. And I, I do recommend in the beginning that uh, men, uh, and, and again, ladies, you need to teach them how to do oral sex on you because most men really don't know. Uh, again, our, our brains are wired thinking harder and faster is better, and it's not the case. I have to, when, in fact, when my partner is close to climaxing, I literally have to tell myself, slow down. And uh, where, uh, you know, for me, it would be just the opposite. Um, but for her, it's slow down, and, and um, it works every time. But I, she had to teach me that. And so it's incumbent upon the women to teach their men, and they will be amply rewarded, the men, that is, uh, well, so will the women be amply rewarded. Uh, once they uh, take the time to uh, to be open to that kind of coaching, it can be a very very um, connecting process just to go through that, just to say, look, let's let's explore other ways here because I know you want to please me, and I'm going to share with you what really works for me. And um, so it's yeah, the communication happens both ways, but that that's another way to bring them present. Well, I could talk with you about this for 10 hours. Um, I have a couple, <laughs> couple last-minute questions. Um, what about women who pressure themselves too much to orgasm? Um, you know, I know you mentioned your, your partner will, you know, go five to seven times, which is amazing, and kudos to her. And, and you know, I'm sure there's women that are thinking, I can't do that, but, but I know that you've mentioned that this is a possibility for, for every woman, in, in your opinion. Um, it is. And could it the is. fact and that, I, you know, you, you don't, but you don't have a set expectation. You don't have a set, you know, it's not like the no. goal is orgasm, and I think no. that's a big part of it. So what are your thoughts on that with oh. women impression Oh, yeah. You know, thank you so much for bringing this up. Uh, the other thing here is that it's, it's what I call goalless lovemaking. It's about just being present. Forget about the goals. And um, sometimes my partner will... 
um, you can hear her. You know, she'll get a, she'll go, she'll hit a certain plateau, and then she'll just kind of get frustrated. She says, "Honey, I just so I'm, I'm afraid that you, you know, you're going to get tired, and I'm just not making." I says, "Sweetie, I just want you to lay back, forget about having an orgasm, and just enjoy the way I'm loving you. That's all. Mm-hmm. Don't even think about having an orgasm. Just enjoy it. Just melt into it." And about 15 seconds later, she explodes once I tell her that. <laughs> it's because she was trying too hard. She made it a goal. And I just reassured her, don't make it a goal. Just enjoy it. <laughs> just lux- lux- luxuriate in it. Just, I mean, I can go for hours here, sweetie. I'm not right. getting tired. And, you know, so enjoy it. Okay. And then it's like, boom. <laughs> that is funny. Then, I, it's a, and, it's and, too bad we have just a couple minutes left because otherwise I'd want to get her on the line to hear some testimonials, but we'll we'll hold off. But that <laughs> well, oh we can God. always have another interview where we get both of us. That, that and, uh, and, and she's willing to do that if you ever want to do that. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I want to know more about um, some of the the programs you have. You know, you mentioned you've just finished up a four weeks to intimacy. Tell us about what you have coming up and how people can be more involved and want to transform their own intimacy. Well, the, the first thing they can do right away is go to my book site, and that's hardlybroken.com. And I'm sure the title of the book uh, <laughs> is not a, does not escape anybody. You know, nobody's broken, including guys who can't get it up like me. Nobody's broken. Uh, so it's hardlybroken.com. And right on the front page there you can um, sign up for uh, 52 weeks of intimacy tips based on everything that my partner and I have learned. And it starts out with, with a bunch of tips on how to build emotional intimacy. Then it goes into the physical and then even spiritual intimacy. So that's free. That You can just, just sign up for that, and uh, I highly recommend people doing that. And then uh, in 2014, um, I will be launching a six-week uh, six weeks to extraordinary intimacy program, uh, one for couples, one for single men, and one for single women. And that will be announced through the book site and other, other sites I'm putting up. But the best thing they can do right now to really start tapping into this is to go to the book site and uh, sign up for those free intimacy tips because they're, they're based on real-world proven ways of, of building um, extraordinary intimacy. Mm-hmm. Michael, I'm just full of gratitude for the work that you're doing, and uh, it's it's really it's very courageous work, and I think it it I can just imagine the um, the freedom that it gives people um, to just be you know just to be real, and um, I, yeah. I I really just see that the work you do just create so much healing for people so thank you for being courageous and doing what you do and for the the gift that you are to uh to so many people well thank you and and thanks for having me on this i i knew it was going to be an interesting interview and and i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate your openness and and willingness to talk about these things um not every radio host is, <laughs> but many of them start out by saying, I'm not sure I was ready for this particular interview, but usually they go pretty well. 
<laughs> well, usually I, I'm I'm on the edge of like talking about too much raunchy stuff, like poop all the time. We talk about digestive health all the time. So you know, just kind of on the other end of the extreme. But it's it's all real. It's all stuff people deal with. So I'm all about the, yeah. the reality. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So, I mean, that's yeah. really that's what life's about. That's all we have is being real. Otherwise, it's um, it's not real living. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You have an amazing evening. Uh, I'm sure uh, having some fun with your the love of your life. I don't know if it, if that's scheduled for tonight, but real soon, I'm no, sure. No, not tonight. It, not tonight. <laughs> no, we're we're talking about uh, other things. But uh, that doesn't mean that I don't give her a big hug and a kiss and right. and be fully present even when we're not in the sack. Yeah. So thank you. Yes. You're welcome. All right. Well, I will talk to you very soon. Have a great rest of your night. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye bye, Michael. Wow, you guys listening? That was a that was a, a different kind of show, but in a really awesome way. I loved, love, love that show. I think I might even go back and listen to it again, which I very rarely like to listen to my own shows again. Huh? Um, I'd love to hear your feedback um, for you guys listening, and please uh, drop me a line. Send me a send me an email. Go to my website, drlaurennoel.com. Let me know what you got out of this show, and uh, yeah, just love to hear the feedback on that. And I think it's really important work that uh, that Michael's doing out there. And uh, and and for next week, 100. We are coming up to 100 podcast shows we've done, and that's with Chris Cresser. It's going to be on Monday at six o'clock. So our shows are normally Tuesdays. So we're switching it up next week to accommodate his schedule. So that's six o'clock on Monday. And uh, that's it. Have a wonderful rest of your night. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Get Get ready for hard work, for high expectations, for high fives, for you've got this, for I did it, for you're hired, you've got it in you. Now let us bring it out of you. If you're as serious about your success as we are, bring it. Visit rmu.edu today. Robert Morris University. Get ready.